<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Lori had talked about how both Charles and Tammy were supposed to pass away. Correct. Do you know what she told you regarding Tammy passing away? She learned from Chad that he knew years ago that she would be passing away, you know, early in her life. We recap six major moments in Lori Vallow Daybell's murder trial that may have led to her ultimate conviction. Welcome to Sidebar, presented by Law & Crime. I'm Jesse Weber. The Lori Vallow Daybell trial has officially wrapped up. The Idaho mother who was on trial for the murders of her two children, seven-year-old J.J. Vallow and 16-year-old Tylee Ryan, and also for conspiracy to commit the murder of 49-year-old Tammy Daybell, the deceased wife of her husband and co-defendant Chad Daybell. What a trial this was. I mean, we're dealing with a case where the bodies of these kids were found in Chad's backyard. We learned that Tammy died by asphyxiation at the hands of another while at the home with Chad one night, Chad and Lori having an affair, getting married two weeks after Tammy's death, just an incredibly sad, dark, and tragic case. And after five weeks of testimony, evidence, arguments, the jury came back with their decision. Is Lori Noreen Ballow not guilty or guilty? of conspiracy to commit first-degree murder of Tylee Ryan and grand theft by deception. Answer, guilty. Question number two. In regards to count two of the amended indictment, is Lori Noreen Vallow not guilty or guilty of first-degree murder of Tylee Ryan? Answer, guilty. Question number three. In regards to count three of the amended indictment, is Lori Noreen Vallow not guilty or guilty of conspiracy to commit first-degree murder of Joshua Jackson Vallow and grand theft by deception. Answer, guilty. Question number four. In regards to count four, the amended indictment, is Lori Noreen Vallow not guilty or guilty of first-degree murder of Joshua Jackson Vallow? Answer, guilty. Question number five. In regards to count five of the amended indictment, is Lori Noreen Vallow not guilty or guilty of conspiracy to commit first-degree murder of Tamara Tammy Daybell? Answer, guilty. Question number six. In regards to count seven of the amended indictment, is Lori Noreen Vallow not guilty or guilty of grand theft? Answer, guilty. Lori Vallow Daybell convicted across the board of all murder, conspiracy, and grand theft charges. 
Her sentencing is going to be at a later date, but it's our understanding that she faces the mandatory of life in prison without the possibility of parole. So how did she get here? How did the jury reach this decision? Well, of course, without actually speaking to the jurors, we won't know exactly what persuaded them. And at the time of this recording, no juror has done a public interview as of yet. However, after covering this trial, we thought, let's list out six crucial pieces of evidence that may have led to the doomsday cult mom's convictions. First up, the recorded phone calls. Recorded phone calls allow the jury to actually hear the defendant talking about critical issues in a case. And that can be very tough for defense attorneys to fight against. After all, these are the defendant's own words. How do you say she didn't mean this or she didn't mean that? Well, while in jail, Lori had a series of phone calls. First, there was she and Chad. As she's locked up on charges related to failing to produce the kids after they disappeared in the fall of 2019, she and Chad speak on the phone. And this is when police start searching Chad's property, where they are eventually going to find J.J. and Tylee's dead and buried bodies. Listen to this exchange. Are you okay? So they're searching the house right now? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to Mark means we'll be talking to you. Okay. Well, are they in the house? No, they're out in the property. Are they saving stuff? Again? They're searching. No surprise as to what's happening. No shock. No, why on earth are they searching your property, Chad? Where are the kids, Chad? And I think an argument could be made that that showed knowledge of what happened to the kids. No, but that's not all. Because there are also the calls with her son, Colby Ryan, and her sister, Summer Shiflet, after the bodies of her children are discovered. You have two people who are begging Lori for answers, and she's not giving in. You don't know what I've been through, and you don't even give a crap what they've been through. Nobody does, except for me. I'm the one that knows. I'm the one that was in the hospital with Tylee for hundreds of days watching her suffer. I'm the one that was there doing everything with JJ every day. I was the one who did it all these years. You did it all to throw it in the garbage. They're not. You don't know what happened. You don't know what happened. matter what happened if they're buried in your new husband's backyard. Tell me that matters what happened. You tell me that you did this in Jesus' name, Mom. I have to hear that out of your mouth. If you believe it, then you are not afraid. Every witness of Christ will scream his name when he comes back. So you are that person. You I am that person. I am Jesus that person. Christ and he will come Oh, yeah, Colby, because that's what it is. Okay. You don't even know. When you weren't even when there. I in October, when I asked you about Tyler in October, what did you tell me? What did you tell me? What lies did you feed me? Why would you lie to me if you were so 
if you're with the Lord and you've seen him, and I'm just talking purely to you, and you've seen Jesus Christ, where's the fear? Why would you tell me something? Why were you afraid? Why is everyone against you? Why is everything okay, against my mom? You can be against me all you want. One day, we will all stand there with Jesus. We will all stand there with Jesus, and you will know the truth of everything. Not for me. You're telling me that this was all done in light. Say it. Tell me that this was done in Jesus' name. You don't know what happened. Why? Why don't I know, Mom? Oh, because I was kept in the dark to protect me? You know who needed protecting my little dead siblings? That's who needed protecting, Mom. This is not a pure blasphemy. My opinion, this hurt Lori a lot. She is arguably cold and callous, discussing the death of her children, no remorse, almost justified in what happened to them. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. And she basically claims she knows what happened. But her son and sister don't. But she can't really tell them. Why not? If you did nothing wrong, then tell them what happened. But she can't because she knows she's in trouble, right? I always found those calls to be very, very curious. And I imagine they may have stayed in the minds of the jury members. And I think it's pretty fair to say that Lori's own comments and words really led to her downfall. We're going to get into her text messages later on in the show. But for now, some of the most impactful evidence was Lori's dishonesty. You heard a little bit about it on the Colby and Summer calls, how she was lying about where the kids were, and she refused to turn the kids over to authorities. 
and not only lying to her family and friends and even the police, but asking her friend, Melanie Gibb, to lie to the police as well. Listen to Melanie Gibb herself on the stand. And you say you asked Chad if JJ was with Kay. Mm-hmm. Why did you ask him that? Because that's what I was told. That's where he went. So why would Kay be looking for him if Kay was, had JJ? Do you recall who told you that he was with Kay? Lori did. And going forward to the date that Chad called and asked you not to speak with law enforcement, did Lori in fact reach out to you? She did. What did she say? Um, she said that um, the police had come by and she told the police that I had JJ. She told me to go to, that I, uh, she told the police that I was, I took JJ to a movie called Frozen, I believe, and just take random pictures of kids running around at the movie theater. Was JJ with you? No. Did law enforcement try to reach out to you? They did. Did you pick up or respond to them initially? Not initially. And why did you not respond to them initially? I wasn't sure what in the world to do. Had Lori told you anything previously regarding law enforcement? Um, she, um, I'm not sure at this point when she shared with me, but she told me that they were dark and that they were, you know, after her, like Satan was after her with the other dark entities that they talked about. So they had become, they called them dark translated beings, I believe. So Lori asking her friend to lie to police about JJ is not great. This is arguably consciousness of her guilt, right? She knows the kids are dead and she's trying to cover up, cover it up so she doesn't get in trouble. And so that she can also continue to collect the children's social security payments, which we're going to get into in a minute. But another crucial piece of evidence that I believe led to Lori's conviction, and not everyone may agree with me, is a key piece of forensic evidence that was found in connection with JJ's remains. Here is DNA analyst Keely Coleman. Uh, You mentioned a, a piece of hair that had been stuck to adhesive. Yes. What results were obtained from your analysis? So from the uh, Bodhi item E01, which was the hair sample, a partial female profile was obtained. And were you able to make any conclusions based on those results? Yes. Tylee Ryan and Melanie Gibb were excluded as, poten- as possible contributors of that partial DNA profile. Um, the partial DNA profile matched the DNA profile that was provided for Lori Vallow Dayville. Okay. Did you perform any statistics for the match? Yes, I did. The probability of randomly selecting an unrelated individual with that partial DNA profile is 1 in 71 billion. In a case with really no forensic evidence tying Lori directly to the murders of these kids, her hair being found on the tape that wrapped up JJ's body, I feel that was significant to the prosecution's case. Now, some have disagreed with me. Some have said, well, she was JJ's mom, she had long hair, it wouldn't be surprising for her hair to be on JJ. That's true. But in totality, in light of all of the evidence, her hair on the duct tape, which we didn't know about before this trial, 
that felt like a big win for the prosecution. Again, would love to hear how the jury ultimately felt about that piece of evidence. Okay, so as we analyze six major moments that may have led to Lori Vallow Daybell's convictions, let's also talk about how she was convicted for conspiracy to commit the murder of Tammy Daybell, Chad's first wife. Now, analysts, legal experts question whether the jury would actually find her guilty with respect to Tammy. The argument being that there may not have been enough evidence actually tying her to a plot to kill her husband's then current wife. But I will say, some of the most crucial evidence was related to not the night that Tammy actually died, but 10 days earlier when someone tried to shoot Tammy Daybell. That's right, someone tried to shoot her. Presumably Alex Cox, Lori's deceased brother. That's where the evidence pointed to. So going back to that night in question, listen to this interaction between Lori Vallow Daybell and Alex Cox's widow, Zulema Pastenis. Again, the very night someone tried to shoot Tammy and missed. Lori told me that um, Tammy had been possessed by a demon um, and that um, it was no longer her, kind of like the same thing that she had said about um, Charles, and that um, she needed my help um, casting, um, casting out from her. Okay. And did um, what, did you guys do a casting on Tammy? Yes. Lori and I were doing the casting. Um, Melanie got a phone call, and she was on a phone call while we were doing casting. Okay. Um, uh, how did the casting on Tammy end? Um Lori said that she had received some new information on how to do a casting that he could work, and we were going to be using the Cosmos and um, can't remember exactly what other things, but no, we were going to be using this. And then afterwards, um, she gave me tons of of um, praise for um, how awesome, awesome I was and how great I was. And then afterwards. She received a phone call from someone. Okay. And was she near you when she got that phone call? Yes. Okay. Um, what was her attitude and demeanor when she got that phone call? She was very, very angry, scary angry. Okay. And now this is the night that Tammy that Tammy was shot at. Correct. Okay. So And so um, while she's on the phone, she appears angry and scary angry. Did you hear anything she said? Yeah, she was using some very derogatory terms such as idiot, moron, um, and just being very, very angry with whoever she was on the phone with. Okay. Um, after she got off the phone, what um, did she say to you? She said, idiot can't do anything right by himself. It certainly seems like Lori was not too happy that someone missed their shot at Tammy. And it also seems like that person that she was angry with was Alex Cox. That's what I think the evidence showed. Now, let's not forget, before Tammy died, Lori was not only having an affair with Chad, but she was looking up and purchasing Malachite wedding rings online. In fact, the evidence shows that she purchased a ring 17 days before Tammy's death. And we know that two weeks after Tammy died, no hesitation, she and Chad got married in Hawaii. 
All this seems to support the argument that Lori planned, conspired to kill Tammy so that she could be with Chad. But in terms of a motive, the prosecution was adamant that Lori conspired to kill these kids and ultimately did murder them, a large part for money, namely their social security benefits that both Tylee and JJ were entitled to after the deaths of the respective fathers, Joseph Ryan and Charles Vallow. Here's forensic accountant Michael Douglas talking about Lori receiving certain payments after the deaths of the kids. And you have mentioned this, but what date were Chad and Lori married? November 5th of 19. And can you tell me how many payments were received into Lori Vallow's Compass account on behalf of Tylee Ryan, Ryan after her death? Four. And what was the amount of the Social Security payment for each month that was received for Tylee Ryan? So in October, October through December of 19, she received 1859 a month. In January of 20, she received 1888. And what's the total amount of those payments? The total being $7,465. Okay. And um, how many monthly payments were there for JJ? Four. And what was the Social Security payment for each month that was received for JJ Vallow? October through December of 19, it was 1951 a month. And January of 20, it was 1982. And what was the total amount of those payments? The 78.35. And how many payments did Lori receive for caregiver benefits? She received four. And what was the total amount of those payments? The total amount would be the 39.02 and the 33.43.05. Okay. How many payments did Lori receive after she was married to Chad? Two. And what is the total amount of those payments? The 33.43.05. And what is the total amount of the Social Security payments that Lori Vallow received from October 19, or excuse me, October 2019 until February 2020? That would be the $22,545.05. And that is believed to be after the deaths of JJ and Tylee, correct? Yes, ma'am. And is that on that document? It is. Lori collected about $22,545 from Social Security payments that were owed to her children after their deaths. And that was a major, major theme for the prosecution, that she killed the kids, lied about their whereabouts, kept on collecting Social Security benefits, that she murdered them for money. After all, Lori was found guilty of conspiracy to commit the murders of Tylee and JJ and grand theft by deception. Okay, let's finish this off with the sixth major moment that arguably led to Lori Vallow Daybell's conviction and some of the most incriminating evidence, in my opinion, in this trial against her, and that is the text messages. Like with phone calls, text messages from a defendant, give you an insight into their mind. What were they thinking? And in conspiracy cases where we're talking about a plot to kill, the communications between co-conspirators is so important. It is so vital. So, former special agent Douglas Hart gets on the stand, and he starts reading off text message conversations. And they are bad. Like where Lori believes her children are possessed, and seemingly wants them dead. I included this mainly because of the last text in this 
in this string, which indicates that um, Lori Vallow and Melanie Boudreau uh, believe their children to be demons. Line 1394 from Lori Vallow to Chad Daybell. She is asleep. She put a bunch of holes in the walls and doors. Definitely had demons helping her, probably a thousand. We are both so tired of taking care of demons. We are weary. Please ask the Lord to take them. In, your in context of your review of the iCloud and the evidence in this case, what significance did that have um, from an investigative point of view? The significance is the designation of these children as being demons, being possessed by some dark entity. And in light of what happened with J.J. and Tylee, it is relevant uh, to the investigation in its totality. Okay. And looking at line 1391, who is it um, asking that the Lord take them? It's a reference to their children. And then there's more, like where she talks about the likelihood of J.J. and Tylee dying. This short series of texts between Lori Vallow and Chad Daybell is critically important because it, because it is the first overt communication between them referencing the pending deaths of J.J. and Tylee. Okay. From Chad Daybell to Lori Vallow, I have been instructed to focus my efforts on Hillary, so I will. Line 2665 from Lori Vallow to Chad Daybell. Okay, find out her percentage for me and JJ's. Line 2660 from Chad Daybell to Lori Vallow. She is at 0 0.13. I turned up the pain to 10 and placed a spiritual virus in her. He is at 99.99. .99. Raphael visited him and told him to follow Amy into the light. I also assured him that James would love and take care of his mommy, which he will with all of his heart and soul. Line 2658 from Lori Vallow to Chad Daybell. That is sweet. I miss you desperately. Hillary is the name of the entity that allegedly uh, possessed or inhibited Tylee Ryan's body. The, the reference to the word percentage is a reference to death percentage, meaning the timing or pending death of the individual. And this is all just a sampling of the communications between Lori and Chad. There were so many more where they're flirty and they're professing their love and seemingly planning their life together. I'll highlight one in particular. There's a text conversation between Chad and Lori where she says, quote, do you think that there's a perfectly orchestrated plan to take the children and we just have to wait for it to be carried out? I feel lost like I should be doing something to help. Chad responds, you are doing everything right, my love. There is a plan being orchestrated for the children. I mean, in a case talking about a plot to kill the kids, that's big. And of course, there was a text between Lori and her brother Alex Cox, again, the man the evidence seems to show was the one who actually carried out the killings. Alex texts Lori about the new Wi-Fi password being, quote, too many kids. And Lori's response, 
funny. Well, she's not laughing anymore, is she? That's all we have for you here on Sidebar, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jesse Weber. I'll speak to you next time.